Hello and welcome to this special episode of The Healthy Podcast, brought to you in association with Holland & Barrett. I'm your host and Editorial Director, Ellie Hughes. Today we're talking about boundaries and why they are so important for any of us who's looking for wellness. We're joined on the podcast today by Nedra Glover-Tawab. Nedra is a therapist and a boundaries expert who focuses on helping people create healthy relationships with themselves and with other people. Nedra has a new book out, a New York Times bestseller called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And today she's going to talk to us about why setting boundaries is so important for reclaiming yourself and give us some advice on how to do it. Welcome, Nedra. It's so great to have you with us here today on the Healthy Podcast. How are things? How are you doing? Things are really, really good. Great. I'm glad to hear that. And for you, it's first thing in the morning, more or less? More or less. It's nine-ish, so pretty much. But I've done so much this morning already that it feels like afternoon. All right. Are you you're a morning person? I am a morning person. Good. Yeah. Great. It's always good to start the day like that. I've I've got a puppy, so I'm now also a morning person. Yeah. Although I do also have, have kids, so I had to make that switch for them. Anyway, let's let's get going. So I'm gonna be really honest. I have pretty much been inspired by taking the questions that you suggested on your book club um suggestions because I thought if anyone knows the right questions to ask you, it's gonna be mm. you. So, yeah. I mean, I guess, first of all, I mean, our, our focus on this podcast is really wellness, mm-hmm. whatever that means, big, big, big kind of nebulous, but also a useful term. So people who are listening to this are really keen on wellness and how they can pursue their own wellness. And I guess for us here today, I really want to talk about obviously boundaries and why that is what you focus on particularly. Why are they so important? Let's just kick off there, if that's okay. Yeah, I chose to focus on this because it kept coming up. It's one of those things that was thematic in my treatment of other people that I noticed even in my internship as a therapist that we were talking about rules of engagement in relationships, how to be treated by other people, how to express your needs. Even when I worked with people who were experiencing maybe like social anxiety, this thing around stating your needs to other people, how to invite you to things, how to allow you not to be in the presence of certain situations. So boundaries just kept coming up as a theme in my practice with other people. And so it seemed like a very natural progression of something to focus on um, clinically. Like it was just, it was natural. It's almost like asking someone, well, how did you start to love flowers? It's like, I can't even remember a time when I didn't like this thing. And of course they have 1000 stories about this one thing because you know that's their thing okay great so experience really and and the demand I guess kind of led you to here let's go for it then how would you define what what are boundaries because they it can sound like quite a hostile word like you're putting something up to protect yourself or defend yourself but for you you would say they're very much a healthy thing and they're essential I'm I'm guessing to for Mm -hmm. to be a healthy human being and to have healthy relationships. So how do you define boundaries? It's funny that you say they're a hostile thing because I was talking to a relative before the book came out and she said, you didn't tell me you were writing a book about cutting people off. (laughs) I said, I'm not writing a book about cutting people off, but 
when she heard the word boundaries, that's what she thought of. She thought of like, you know, just putting, severing ties with people. And what is one way to set a boundary? It's not the most common way. The most common way that we set boundaries is expressing our needs to others. That's what the boundary is. What do I need? What makes me feel comfortable, healthy, and safe in this relationship with myself, within this relationship with work, with other people, with the internet, with whatever? What is making me feel comfortable and what isn't? And that is a boundary. And to feel comfortable and safe, especially, sometimes we do cut people off. But that is not the only way to set a boundary. That is just one way. And the way that we do it every day is by telling people things like, oh, you lower your voice. Please pass me this thing. Hey, you're standing a little too close to me. We're setting boundaries all the time. But for some reason, when we think of them, we think of the harsh things that we have to do. When in actuality, we're already setting tons of boundaries that are very easy. They flow. And it's just a matter of thinking about I'll just set them in other ways. So originally at the start of your answer, you said it's about expressing your needs. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we find that so hard? Because we think it's mean. We think it's rude. We think it will upset other people. And we assume to know how people will feel. That is the biggest issue we have with setting boundaries. One time my friend I can't remember if I had kids yet at this point, but my friend had a kid and she was in the other room playing. She was about two or three in the other room playing. And you heard like some commotion of something happened. And her dad said to her, what did you do? And she came in and she looked at at his face and she said, nothing. And we went in the other room and something was knocked over, you know, some sort of thing. So we understand at a very young age how people want us to respond. We understand what we can say and what we can't say based on their body language, their facial expression, how they've treated us in the past. We know better. And so, so much of who we are is determined by how this other person will react. And focusing on the reaction really stops us from being able to speak up. So in a way, you're almost saying, if I understand correctly, our default is almost to put other people before ourselves. Yes, because we don't want to get in trouble. (laughs) It really goes back to the, you know, and it's not even about we don't want to get a spanking, but it's like getting in trouble as an adult is someone being upset at you someone being mad at you, someone, you know, being passive aggressive and stonewalling you, not speaking to you for a bit, or even talking to you, that really hurt me. That is getting in trouble. And we are still trying to avoid that. I hope when I'm 80, I'm not, (laughs) Um, you know, I hope I'm still, you know, I'm okay with getting in trouble a little bit. But there is something in us that sort of reverts back to like, oh, my gosh, they're going to have a reaction. And the truth of it is they are. They will have a reaction. Does that mean that we shouldn't advocate for ourselves? Does that mean that we shouldn't want things or have needs, especially when those things are healthy? Yeah. Okay. so I guess that is my next question. How do we know? I mean, I guess just to, to be honest with you, 
I don't always know what my needs are. So how do I then know from that what a healthy boundary is? How do I, I guess for me, maybe I can feel myself getting stressed. I'm getting a bit irritable. The family are around. I'm cooking dinner. I'm finishing off a bit of work. I should probably in a healthy way just say to them all, guys, can someone else just take over chopping the vegetables? Can someone just take the dog away? I need 10 more minutes to finish my last work email. I imagine that might be, I could be wrong. I imagine that might be a healthy way of behaving, but I don't because in that moment, I'm just like, ah, and then I shout at someone or I get irritable and someone else is like, why are you shouting at me? So how do we know what our wants are? How do we tune into that part and then express them, have the presence of mind, I guess, to express them? Mm. Well, you have the presence of mind because you just listed all of those wonderful things. It's the... The issue is in those moments, you're not moving towards releasing yourself from the stress. You probably have an idea that these are things that you have to do by yourself. And in my book, I talk about this idea of rigid boundaries. And rigid boundaries are um, boundaries that we set that are unhealthy. And it's really based around, I have to do this myself. I can figure it out. I don't need anyone. We build up walls. And when we need help and we don't ask for it, we are expressing rigid boundaries because there are times when we do need help, such as with cooking. You know, someone can chop, someone can get the dog, someone can grab the kids while you're preparing a meal because those are all high stress things for you. That's what you've expressed. And I'd imagine for other people that is also stressful. So if you have support, lean on it. You know, I meet so many parents, and that's one of the things that I talk about a lot with parents. How do we make life easier? And a lot of it is leaning on your support system. No, you know, I don't like to ask my parents to babysit. One, I'm not even a grandparent yet, but I imagine that I'll be babysitting. <laughs> you know, like so if my kid never asks me, I would think, oh, okay, I guess they don't want me. You know, like. Maybe people don't mind helping you, but you have to ask. And it can be something as simple as, can you talk this onion? Can you maybe get the tomatoes out and dice them up? There are so many ways in which we can lean on others that sometimes we don't. And we've really developed this mentality of, you know, doing it yourself is the best way. And I'm releasing it. My friends laugh at me because they say, if you could pay someone to tie your shoes, you would. I'm like, <laughs> I am stimulating the economy. Yes, I probably would. Because I really value having help with things. I really do. You know, my daughter's birthday is coming up and I made a list of things that the invite, the cake, the food, the this, the that. And I, I told my husband, you know, these are the things that I would love for you to do. And these are the things that I would do. And that that goes down okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's going down okay. I'm not checking back in. I mean, I hope his stuff is there on the, the day. <laughs> We're dependent on him. Yeah. Uh, trust that he can, you know, he can follow through with that. And I don't have to do it. And, you know, if there's some last minute crisis, which I could have or he could have, you know, I'm not, I'm not always together. You know, humans... I kind of forget stuff sometimes. So I know that I did my part in saying, I cannot do all of this. And so here are the things that I would like you to manage and here are the things that I will manage for this. But I don't have to plan the whole birthday party. 
in the past, even ask the friend, hey, get on your way, the bakery's by your house, grab the cake, get here 30 minutes early. Hey, you live by Party City, you pick up the balloons. You know, like we can be in community and really lean on supports outside of ourselves. And if we don't have community, we can certainly start to build it so we can have support. I've certainly been asked before I come over someone, okay, stop at the store and grab this. Hey, do this thing. So it's so important on holidays, my brother-in-law, when I call him, he's like, what do you need? Because he knows <laughs> calling right before he comes over to say, I, to and get an onion. I forgot the onion. He's like, it's always something really random. <laughs> so leaning on others for support is, is healthy and it, it relieves you of having to do everything yourself. Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about not assuming you know what their response is going to be. Because I would think, oh, no, I can't bother them. They're busy. They're coming to the party. They've got to get themselves over here. But you'll say, no, don't assume that. Just ask them. And I love what you're saying about actually it grows a community. It's not just it's not just about losing boundaries or creating boundaries. It's about growing something that's really positive. One question I have to ask is, I feel like women now, we do have this superwoman, I gotta do it all. It's a bit of a cliche, but I think there's quite a lot of truth in there. And I love this idea that you're saying that actually you don't have to, and one of the reasons why you don't is because you can have a community. I mean, why why do you think women do have that feeling that they have to do it all? Well, that's what is put on us. From a very young age, we are nurtured to be nurturing. I think all humans are nurturing, men and women, right? But girls in particular, it's like, get your baby down, give her a bottle. Did you leave your baby over there? You know, you're shamed at four for forgetting your dial. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, we're just constantly programmed to, to do this, to nurture. Oh, let's get her a little pretend kitchen set. Let's get her a little pretend broom set. Who wants a broom? You know, and it's it's so interesting how we put all these things on them at such a young age. You know, watch their little sister do all of these things for little girls. And I'm not saying boys don't get it, but girls really, really get it. If you go to, you know, Target and look at the difference in toys, mm. there is a difference. There is no action figure. I can't even think of the word. See, I'm such not a boy. I'm like, what do they call those things they play with? <laughs> They're action figures. There's no action figure with a, a bakery set. You know, it's like, meanwhile, Barbie, she's in the kitchen. You know, so there is, it's this, this programming that we get and we start to take on. And as we get older, we start to understand that this is our role. And if you don't want that role, you have to really break away from it and that breaking but away from it, when you tell people like, oh, my gosh, what kind of woman is this that doesn't know how to sew a button, that doesn't know how to cook, that doesn't know this. And also add to this, as we're trying to be the person that does everything in our house, we're also working mm -hmm. 40 hours or more. We're also delivering babies. 
I think after you deliver a baby, just retire, right? Like <laughs> that is your work of life. <laughs> Let's just allow her to put her feet up. She's done enough. Yeah. So we are we are doing so much and also adding more to it. And here's the biggest thing. We make it look easy. Why? We're not asking for help. We're in the kitchen stressed out. We are planning all of the parties, all of the holidays. We are bringing all of the gifts. We are we are doing all of the things to the point where people actually think we can do more. I tell my kids all the time, like I'll be sitting, reading a book, and they'll come ask me for something. I'll say, hey, what's your dad? Watching a movie. He's relaxing. What do you think reading this book is for me? <laughs> yeah. So do you think there is an element then that it is maybe harder for women to establish healthy boundaries than for men? Or is that just far too general an area to go into? We have to teach people how to hold boundaries with us. I think that that kids respect their father's boundaries or, you know, I don't know, maybe men's boundaries or whatever, because they are advocating for their boundaries. We'll get up. I'm going to tell you. We'll get up and do the thing and put the book down. I don't even have a boundary there. It's it's weak. It's loose. It's non-existent. I'm like, okay, you know. So that is on me. Now there are other things where after nine o'clock, I'm like, I'm done. I'm off duty unless someone does something in the middle of the night. Do not find me. I'm not. I'm sleeping. Whatever. But. There are other things where it's like, I was I see why they don't respect the boundary there because there is no boundary. And so if we want a certain level of respect, we have to really hold that boundary. And a part of us holding holding the boundary is believing that we are doing a bad thing by continuing to engage in self-care. We are doing a bad thing by continuing to go out with our friends or do those other things. And we really have to condition ourselves that we are not bad parents. We are not bossy women. We are not all of these labels that are given to us simply for being assertive or very clear about our needs. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I'd like to pick up one one thing you say, that you have to, you know, I'm guessing you can't just ask once for that onion to be chopped. You have to ask a few times. And in the moment, you're like, oh, I'm just going to chop the vegetables. That's just quicker. But really what I'm hearing you saying is to get those boundaries established, you have to keep, what's the word, asking for them or would you say asking for them, demanding them, making them clear? It's not just going to happen first time around unless you're very lucky. You have to keep repeating them. Absolutely. We have to trust that people can do things. Even children can be helpers. Now, what they can help with is certainly determined by their age. Partners are certainly helpers and friends are helpers. Elders are helpers. Co-workers can be helpers. There are so many things that we can ask of other people. And sometimes it's, you know, hey, don't give me any more work. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> at work when you have a co-worker who, you know, constantly asks for your help, maybe you helping yourself is saying to them, hey, I have, I'm under a deadline and I'm not able to support you today. Um, I'll check back in next week if I have some extra time. So it's not just the person asking for help that needs a strategy. It's also sometimes the person who's being asked. So they've got the boundaries 
Both ways. Both ways. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. This may be quite specific, but one of the things that really struck me in, in the book, talking about some of the boundaries, and you talk particularly about boundaries you have with your children and the boundaries they have back with us, and particularly talking about when they're telling you they don't want to eat a certain food or don't want to go to a certain caregiver at nursery or kindergarten, and you should respect that boundary. And that, to me, seemed quite shocking, actually, because my feeling was, no, it's their broccoli. They need to eat it. And they're going to nursery. I know the carers there are all good. I know they're all fond of my child. I know they can look after my child. You know, at what point am I respecting their boundaries in a healthy way? And at what point am I allowing them to just get away with stuff? That was a real kind of sharp question that came up in my mind as I was reading the book because up till then I've been going mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then I was like oh okay she means this <laughs> so where would you how do you define those boundaries with kids particularly well let me say this about vegetables most <laughs> adults don't like vegetables we eat them because they're healthy for us right yeah I mean I love vegetables uh, but, yeah okay I have, I have met quite a few adults yeah. who They will eat them because they're healthy. And I think we have to develop that way of thinking. I think the way that food works now, there are so many ways to squeeze in vegetables with kids. They even have vegetable chicken nuggets. You know, so there are so many ways to squeeze in a vegetable. I think in terms of forcing kids to eat certain foods, kids naturally progress towards eating different things and they are very habitual. You're talking about babies who only drink milk. They drink milk for a whole year. That's all they drink is milk. Then you introduce a few other things and then by the time you're four, we want you to have this sophisticated palate. Well, you know, three years ago, you only drank milk all day. So no wonder you want to just eat three things. You know, like your food palette is not diverse. I am introducing foods to you. And how can I do that in a way that you'll eat them? You know, most kids won't go hungry. So if you leave the plate there, they'll come back to it. The passage in the book wasn't necessarily say, if your kids don't want to eat vegetables, fine. No, we put vegetables on a plate. We put an assortment. Hopefully you eat some of them. What I typically say is if you don't eat the vegetables on your plate, please don't ask for a snack afterwards. So mm-hmm. that's my boundary. Right. And the consequence is you will not be eating graham crackers if you don't want to eat broccoli, because apparently you're still hungry. <laughs> right. Like you still want something. You just you just want to bypass the broccoli and it doesn't work like that. So I think there are a lot of ways that we can get creative with helping kids to build their palate. But as parents, we do have to understand that there are sometimes things that people in general don't like, asparagus, or, you know, just all of these things where it's like, you're never building a tolerance for things that you don't like. It's like, I really don't like this. And can we respect this? Or is this like a food preference? Like I would rather eat a ton of mashed potatoes and never any broccoli. So I think you have to know your child and how to introduce things. And then with the caregivers, if there is a child who, I think the story in the book was about not wanting to send your kids to a place where they feel uncomfortable. And if kids have separation anxiety and they cry, and you know that people 
are safe, right? And you have to leave them in that space. And I think that that's fine. But what happens when our kids just, um, we're not quite clear. We're taking them to a new place, right? And we don't know that the person is safe and the child is having a reaction. Or we're building the relationship with the person. How do we make them feel more comfortable in those situations other than saying, why you have to leave, you have to say, see you later. Can we allow them to dislike people? And it's not always pulling them out of a situation, but it's not getting them to like the person either. There are some times where kids will say, I don't like my teacher. Do we have to convince them to like their teacher or do we convince them to go to school? Hmm. I think we convince them to go to school. I don't think it's like you have to like your teacher. You have to like everybody. But sometimes we'll do that. So the story in the book was more about, you know, there are some things that kids just don't like. They don't. They don't have the comprehension, understanding to um, explain to you why they don't like a person, why they don't like a food. They, they can't say, oh, it's the texture. Every time I eat it, it scratched my mouth. I don't have any molars. Like they can't say all of these things. And so we take it as resistance. Oh, my gosh. They never want to go to school. Oh, my gosh. They never want to eat broccoli. Maybe they can't even chew the broccoli properly. I don't know. But. I think there are so many things for us to just think deeper about and think of some boundaries that could work. You know, there are tons of options we can present to help kids adjust the situations that they have to be in or situations that are safe that they're fighting against. Um, but sometimes they know themselves very well. They know who feels comfortable to them. They know the person they don't want to hug and the people they do want to hug. And how do we honor that? Honor that by, you know, not taking it personal when, you know, little kids don't wave. I love to wave at little kids and babies. And, I'm, <laughs> and if they don't do anything back, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm a stranger. You should be afraid of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there are so many I've, I've seen people really try to coax kids into say hi to her be nice give her and I'm like you don't have to do all of that like they don't know me <laughs> it, it, they're reacting to their natural instinct to be leery of a person they've never seen before that's a great characteristic actually in a way you're saying perhaps in some ways they're better at setting boundaries perhaps my child who is refusing to eat those foods and say hi to those people is actually better at setting boundaries than I am and I've become too polite and I've put my needs to one side whereas they're actually thinking no this is this is what I need so kids are amazing at setting boundaries I've seen them say some stuff and do some stuff that one is like I don't know if I would but it's exactly how I feel. You know, I've heard kids say, oh, that cigarette stinks. I'm like, I think so too. <laughs> you know, but they say that because they're like, why is this person smoking right here? You know, they're really, they're really not trying to be mean. They're just saying what they're thinking. And it's not filtered. It's not fluff. It's not, it's just truth. And there is something to be appreciated about being honest. 
Now, our job is to help them be able to be honest, not in an aggressive, but assertive way. How do we say to someone, hey, do you mind smoking over here instead of over here without saying your cigarette stinks? Like, that's not appropriate. How do we say that in a way that a person can understand? But yes, kids have amazing boundaries. They say things that we just can't say. I spoke with a woman last week and she said, her and her daughter, um, they went to get massages and her daughter, I think is like 12 years old. And, you know, she said they were there for about 30 minutes and she was just suffering. Lady was just rubbing too hard, too much pressure. And she heard her daughter say, that's, that's really hurting me. Can you stop? And she was like, here I am. I've been thinking about what to say for 30 minutes. And my <laughs> daughter is just like, please stop. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Those are the word. So what are some kind of general guidelines then? You know, we're not as honest and immediate as kids, but as grown-ups, what are some general guidelines we can give to ourselves to help ourselves set healthy boundaries? The biggest question we could ask ourselves is, what do I want in this situation? That's something that we try to make ourselves want something else. Have you ever tried to talk yourself into attending an event that you didn't want to go to? I, I think I actually very, very rarely ask myself what I want in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe going into a work meeting, there's an agenda, there's a clear outcome. But generally in life, I don't think I, I very rarely ask that question. So already I'm just thinking, wow, that's, that's a really different, new and powerful way of thinking about things. When I say no to things, I'll think about it, like how to say no, because sometimes you do want to give a little explanation, like, no, I won't be able to come because this thing is going on. But sometimes I just don't want to go. And there's really no way to say I'm not interested, you know, other than no. (laughs) So it's like, there's no modification to what this is. It's just no. Like that is the answer. So I think just asking ourselves in this situation, what do I want? What would make me feel better? Is a really helpful question because if we think about it, sometimes it's not to do this thing. Sometimes it's to um, out of a meeting. Sometimes it is to um, not attend an event and So often we get into these situations that we don't want to be in. And, you know, it's just not good for us. It's not good for our mental health to be stressed, to be anxious, to be worried and resentful. You know, we're resentful because this person invited us, but we said yes. (laughs) Yeah. And what you were saying before about not being rude, you know, all of that, I think, as women, well, I mean, I guess as human beings, we we don't like being rude, do we? But there, there are ways of being just very clear and without being rude how this this idea you're talking about being resentful so and I'm definitely guilty of this and I think probably a lot of women are of assuming people can read our minds so we go back to the early situation it's like I'm still finishing off my work the dinner's being cooked the dog's barking surely somebody in this household knows that I just need 10 minutes can someone else just not start cooking dinner take the dog away whatever and I kind of get cross that people can't see that Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing you would say, just ask them. That's awesome. I wonder what do you think a stressed out person looks like? Oh, 
Because right now, like if you were like, I'm stressed, well, you look fine to me. Your bang is, you know, is banging. Your hair looks great. You're cooking. You know, like I can imagine you in the kitchen, like doing these things. You're not like hair all over the place, disheveled. Oh, lipstick on your nose. Like, yeah, that might look like somebody who needs 10 minutes. But what do you think they're assuming about you? They're probably assuming like, oh, you have it. Like you, there's nothing else for them to assume. It's not like you're sitting there, you know, with stuff all over the place. Like, how do people know that you need 10 minutes without you asking for it? Yeah. And then, okay, so you ask and no one helps you. So what happens next? <laughs> wonder about how we ask. Sometimes we're not actually asking. We're telling and telling people a problem is not asking. I have found that with setting boundaries, people often think that they are setting a boundary by stating a problem. If you go and you say, this room is dirty, that is not a boundary. All you've done is notice a dirty room. You have so much work. All you've done is noted that you have so much work. You haven't asked for anything. You haven't requested. You haven't demit. You haven't done anything. You're just talking about problems. So the boundary would be in the solution area. And it's a simple sentence of, I need you to take the dog out while I'm cooking. The dog is running all over the place and I'm cooking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything to a person. You haven't, you haven't made a request. Now, could we say, well, I've said that. Why didn't they just help me? Again, you haven't made a request. So it's about being really clear and actually asking. And not assuming that a person is going to understand your issue based on your problem, because they don't. People we think about all sorts of things. And what's really interesting is when I start seeing clients and they're new to seeing me, I write during our sessions. I'm writing notes and sometimes they'll say something and I'll write a little question to come back to, you know, just all of this stuff. And they'll say, you're probably thinking this. And I'm like, you know, like people are often wrong about what they think other people are thinking. So as you're stating this problem to someone and assuming that they know what you need, it's like maybe they don't because they're thinking about when they used to run track in high school. They could be thinking about, you just mentioned dog running. Their brain went to used to run track. So if you need something, thanks. Okay. That sounds like the simplest, best advice. And I, I don't know why we find it so hard, but I, I definitely find that really hard. I mean, it seems so obvious. I guess for me, it's thinking, what do I actually need? Problem number one, that's sometimes quite hard. And then number two is just asking for it for some reason. Although what you're saying seems so clear and so obvious, it's actually can be really hard yeah. to do those things. Yeah. Yeah, it can be, but it's practice. It's the practice that makes it easier. I'm not like, I'm amazing at setting boundaries. I've set all the boundaries I'll ever need to set. I am still learning. I am still figuring out what my boundaries are in certain situations. I've been practicing this for a long time. So some things are easier. Some boundaries are easier because it's like, oh, go to boundary here. 
But there are other things that are new and upcoming and I'm still trying to figure out, oh gosh, I don't even know what to need here. What did I need? Oh, here's something that can make this a little bit easier or less stressful. Or, you know, a few weeks ago, I told my team, I said, I can't do any more than like three or four things in one day. We noticed a new need because after that, it's like, I think I repeat the same word or something. I don't know. My brain just clicks off. I get a little tension headache. So I'm starting to notice these things. And as I'm starting to notice these things, I can tell other people this is a new need. So you're saying even though you're an expert in boundaries, you are still discovering the boundaries you need to set. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, I guess that's reassuring <laughs> to a novice boundary setter, because I'm definitely one of those mums that wants to be a superwoman and do everything and feels like they should be able to do everything and cruise through it all, bangs intact. So, okay, how do we know then if our boundaries are being violated? Well, one, you've clearly stated a boundary as somebody isn't doing the thing that you ask. Mm. Because unspoken boundaries are not boundaries. And so if you've asked someone, hey, take the dog out, and they don't take the dog out, then they are violating a boundary. If you set an expectation with someone, if you've talked about agreements in your relationship with a person, that's how you know that you know people are doing something other than what you all have talked about. We've talked about what fidelity is. So if someone is acting in a way that is against what you've spoken about, then they are violating a boundary because a boundary is a clearly stated sort of thing. And, you know, it's like traffic lights. That is a clearly stated boundary. And if you violate that boundary, you get a ticket. You know, that is the consequence of that. You get a ticket for violating that boundary. So that is the violation, running a light or, you know, having some sort of traffic issue. That is the violation. So you know what it is because it's a clearly stated thing and and you bypass that. And boundaries are laws. Like when we think of sexual things, those are laws. When we think of physical abuse, those are laws. So those can be unstated. You know, sexual abuse, rape, harming kids, harming adults, harming your partner physically. Those things, I don't have to tell you, you can't beat me, right? Like, this is a law. I don't have to tell you that you have to ask permission to to have sex. Those are laws. But in terms of the other things in our relationship that are more personal to us, Maybe I do have to mention it for you to understand the rules of engagement in this relationship. So it comes down to communication. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Understanding yourself first and what you need and then communicating that really clearly mm-hmm. and possibly repeatedly. Because I'm thinking, so to go back to the kind of fairly light but harmless example of the dog and the cooking. So my family are going to say, but mom, I'm doing my homework oh, I'm still doing my work. Oh, I want to do some exercise. I want to go for a run before dinner. They've all got their boundaries going on as well. So it's, you know, family life is negotiating your way through all of that in a way that works for most of us most of the time, I guess. So it's those competing boundaries. I mean, any kind of advice on how to weigh up everyone's different needs in those sort of scenarios? 
Yeah, cooking dinner is something we do every day and having routine or structure around that so people aren't surprised by your boundaries in the moment <laughs> could be really helpful. Recently, I've had to restructure our morning routine because it was just a terrible way to start your day. And we've incorporated some new things and I'm happy to report after missing these things for a few weeks, we're doing much better. And the, a lot of it is the boundaries have shifted. You know, I'm very clear the day before, this is what's happening in the morning, we're doing this, and I just keep repeating it. And today I said, you know, what do you need to be doing? And, you know, my kids repeated it all. I was like, okay, so they get it. And so now you're, you're violating a boundary if you're not doing that thing. And so it's not being in the moment and saying, we need you to go do it. It's like, we do the same thing every morning. Yeah. <laughs> we do the same thing every morning. So there has to be some sort of structure. For me, my kids are little, so I'm using Alexa to help me parent my kids right now, which is, you know, waking them up to a certain song, setting the timer for this, setting the timer for that. So we're just like, you know, we're, it's helpful. I just wanted to think of a new way to, you know, not be so, give them some autonomy and trust that they can do it because they can't. And so it's just a matter of like keeping them on target with certain things. So how do, especially these reoccurring things in parenthood, how do we make things easier for us? What could alleviate stress in this situation? Um, and sometimes there are some things that, that we could do to just change it up a bit that will provide us a lot of mental relief. Mm. And really, it's a kind of self-care you're talking about. Absolutely. And we all need a bit of that. <laughs> Absolutely. That was episode 22 of the Healthy Podcast, brought to you in association with Holland and Barrett. If you liked what you heard, remember you can pick up the latest edition of Healthy Magazine in your local Holland and Barrett store, online at hollandandbarrett.com and via the Holland and Barrett app. Or head on over to healthy-magazine.co.uk for more great content. Follow Nedra on her Instagram account, at Nedra Tawab, which is spelt N-E-D-R-A-T-A-W-W-A-B where she regularly posts great advice and check out her book, Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And finally, please feel free to subscribe to our regular healthy podcasts on your podcast app and give us a review. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.